says, but you, O Lord, are full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. And then if you look at Psalm 145, verse 8, it said, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are, are over all of his works. And so both of those verses noted that God is full of compassion. And so we're going to talk to you today about compassion, compassion. The uh, dictionary, if you look the definition of this up, this word up compassion in the dictionary, it says a sympathetic pity, a sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. That's the dictionary definition, a sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. The Bible definition is similar, but there is a difference when you look in the Bible at this word compassion. It's far deeper than what the dictionary says that it is. Compassion in the dictionary comes across as a feeling, but in the Bible... The word compassion is deeper than that. It means to have your, the way it actually comes out as you study into it, you know how many knows where, where are your bowels at? Right here? You're right here, right in here. It's to have, to, to have the compassion that the Bible talks about is to have your spiritual bowels, if you will, yearn. To have your spiritual bowels yearn. Compassion in the dictionary is an emotion, but in the Bible, it's far deeper than that. It's to have your spiritual bowels yearn. Yearn in sympathy. To yearn in pity, if you will, due to the distress from the ill circumstances of others. If you have the compassion of God, you will actually feel the suffering of others. You'll actually feel the suffering of others. It means to be touched by the suffering of others. In the Bible. If you're full of God, now listen to this. If you're full of God, how many of you know that so many Christians, they're born, I mean, to, to, to be a Christian, you have to be born of the Spirit. Is that right? You must be born again. There's so many Christians, though, that I have run into, and I've been doing this a long time, I've Many Christians, talked to many of them, been around them for many, 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 many years. Over three, three and a half decades. 
And just because you're born of the Spirit doesn't mean that you're full of the Spirit. Do you hear me? You could go to the book of Acts and I could prove that very easily. I've met so many Christians that aren't full of the Holy Ghost. They're born of the Spirit, all right. They're going to heaven, all right. But they're not full of the Holy Ghost. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, like she was talking about in that song, you know, if Christians do just half of what that song said, you know, the world could be a whole lot better, wouldn't it? But a lot of times when you talk about the Holy Ghost and being full of the Holy Ghost, right away, Christians will start talking about speaking in tongues and flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the healing power of God. I believe in miracles and signs and wonders. We, not only do I believe in them, we've had myriads of them around here over the last 20 years. But when you talk about being full of the Holy Ghost, a lot of times those things are what's talked about. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, healing, and all that's good. But really, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, there's something that doesn't often get talked about, and it should be, because if you're really full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be full of love. Is that right? Said so you're going to be full of love. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be full of compassion. Full of compassion. Your spiritual bowels, when, when, when you see somebody hurting, your spiritual bowels will actually yearn. You almost need to look up here at me when I'm, when I'm you need to look up here at me now. You see what I'm doing? If you're full of the Holy Ghost, Put the tongues, interpretation, put that aside for a minute. That's secondary compared to what I'm talking about now. Did you hear, did you hear what I just said? I said, that's secondary. This is most more important, what she was singing about in that song. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be full of compassion. And when you see somebody hurting, uh, did you get what I just said? You get, you get, what, get this? Do you get this? Do you see it or not? Now, I don't know how to say this any other way than come across blunt, but if, if you've never on the inside, now I'm showing you ex, externally what, what happens on the inside. If you've never, uh, you see somebody hurting, that tells me that you're not full of the Holy Ghost. You could be born of the Spirit, all right, going to heaven, but if you can, if you can see somebody hurt, whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian, and you don't have this going on on the inside of you, then, then that tells me you're not full of the Holy Ghost. You're not full of compassion. You've got to watch this world. Listen to me. This world will harden you. Did you hear what? Did you, you understand? It'll harden you. This world, and, and you know, dealing with, how many has ever dealt with mean and ugly people besides me? How many people have you ever dealt with mean and ugly Christians besides me? I don't mean this ugly, but you deal with people year after year and decade after decade. And, and there's so many nice ones, but there's so many more that aren't. 
and you deal with that, I'm just telling the truth, and you deal with that decade after decade, at last, you can, you can lose this. You can lose it. And I'm here sent by the Holy Ghost from the presence of God to tell you that if you don't have this, get it back. You know how you get this back? By spending time with the Lord. Compassion. Real loud say, compassion. It's to have your spiritual bowels yearn and hurt for somebody else. And here's the thing about the Bible definition of compassion. Bible compassion, now now watch this, it's not just this, but Bible compassion will always move you. Realize, say, move me. It will always move you to action to alleviate the suffering of others. Did you get that? Bible compassion starts uh, here when you see somebody hurting, but it doesn't stop there. It moves you, it propels you into action to do what you can to alleviate the suffering of others. Did you know that compassion is one of the most vital and important words defining the very character of God? Compassion. Compassion is one of the most vital and important words defining the very character of God. If you want to know something about the character of God, it's compassion. Um, See, a lot of people think that when they sin, God goes like this. But that's not what God does. When people sin, God goes like this. Did you get that? Most people think, they really do, a lot of Christians, most Christians think God is a meanie and every time that they miss it that he's got a big stick up there and he wants to whap them, you know, he wants to put you out like a, you'd slap a bug. That's not God. Say amen. Amen. When you miss it, God goes like this. Now, don't misunderstand me. If we persist in sin, then God will, will deal with us and so forth. And, and, and that's a whole other message, which I don't have time to preach right now. But I want you to know that our gracious God is full of what? Full of it. Absolutely full of compassion. And when we hurt, when we miss it, he's on the throne going like that. And if he's in you and we see others hurting, guess what we ought to be doing? We ought to be, uh, you know what I mean, on the inside. And then what does compassion always do? It, 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 it always what? It m- 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 
moves you to help. Listen, I don't want anybody to become a hard-hearted Christian. One of the worst things that can happen to you is to become a hard-hearted Christian. And you can sit there and listen to somebody's, you know, troubles and it just doesn't even phase you. Did you hear that? Now the Holy Ghost is speaking to some people in this room that you need to evaluate yourself. Okay? See, something about the ministry God has given me is, is that I teach the Bible and the Bible will, will go inside and get where funny stories can't go. Did, did, you, did you, and that's why my ministry isn't greatly accepted by so many because I, look, I can tell funny stories. I can tell funny stories with the best of them. I can come up here and get you laughing. All I have to do is go to some of my junior high stories. I could get you going. I, I can go, I could stand here and get you laughing. But I want to tell you what, the, the, the word of God, see the word of God can get down into your heart and do things that my funny stories never could. You understand that? So don't become a hard-hearted Christian. Don't do that. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Stay sensitive to Him. And if, and if you do that, then when somebody comes and they've got a, they've got a, 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 a bad circumstance, you're going to feel for them. So what I, I guess what I was saying a moment ago is, is that my ministry is to teach the Word of God and sometimes the Word of God will correct you, won't it? You know, funny stories never correct you, really. But the ministry around here is designed for the Word of God to go out, encourage you, uplift you, but also that same Word that will encourage you and uplift you, it'll get in there and it'll start working on you. Now, I don't like being worked on, do you? I don't. But I, if I let the Holy Ghost work on me with His Word, I always come out better in the end. And I'm always more of an asset to other people. That's the kind of ministry you get around here. Teaching of the Word of God, which will do you good in the end. Do you understand that? And so if this seems like it's a little corrective, well, it, 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 it's meant to be if you need correction because God doesn't want... One of the most miserable ways to live your life is as a bitter, hard-hearted Christian where you can't be moved by almost anything. Uh, I tell you what, if you haven't cried in a while, go get in a closet with God and stay there till the Spirit of God moves on you and you weep. You know, weeping is one of the strongest things that can happen to somebody. You know that this world will tell you if you're a man and you cry, you're weak, but the Bible says if, you're, if you cry, you're sensitive to the Spirit of God. Did you hear me? Now, I'm not talking about there's some people just cry at anything. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about it's not weak to cry. Do you hear me? You get the Holy Ghost moving on you and, and you get him flowing through you. You, you know, you might dance a little bit. You turn right around and cry a while. You, you understand it? Compassion. God is full of it, compassion. And if we're full of God, we will be full of what? Look at Matthew 14. Would you agree with me that Jesus is the express image of the God the Father here in his 
earthly ministry. And certainly still at the right hand of God. He's, he's, he is God in the flesh. So he's an exa- he's, he, is, uh, he is the example. Let's look at Jesus. Look at Matthew, 12, verse, Matthew 14 verse 12. They had just beheaded John the Baptist and served his head up on a silver, I guess, a, I don't know if it was a silver platter, but on a platter to that young girl and she gave it to her mother. And the word came to Jesus. And uh, he, they went and buried the body of John and went, they came and told Jesus. Verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was what? What was he? He was moved with compassion for them and heal their sick. You see that? You see it again and again. We're going to read several scriptures. You're going to see it again and again and again. And then it was evening, verse 15 says, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. The hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into villages and buy for for themselves food. And then, you know, Jesus fed the multitudes, you know, it was that same compassion that moved him to heal the sick. That same compassion moved him to feed the multitudes. Look at Matthew 15. You're right there in Matthew 14. Go to the next chapter and look at, um, I think it's verse 32. Verse 32. I, I think I got that wrong on the notes I gave the projectionist, but I think it's verse 32. Now, Jesus called his disciples to himself. Now, this was another incident just sometime down the road where there's another great multitude. And Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have what? Compassion. Here's Jesus standing out there. Now, I don't know if he was doing this on the outside, but on the inside, look, he was at spiritual bowels to yearn. He felt for them. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. I don't have this in the notes and I didn't give this next one to the projectionist so you just have to listen to me. But there's a verse I didn't include in my notes but I want to say it. There's another verse where Jesus looked at the multitude and he said, he said, I see them as they were scattered. And he said, I see them as a sheep having no shepherd. And the Bible said he was moved with compassion for them. God's worked on me over the years. Many, many years ago when I would see people that didn't have a pastor. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know who their pastor is. You know that? Did you know God has a local church for everybody? Did you know God has a pastor for everybody? And uh, if you're where God wants you to be, uh, have you ever left here saying, boy, he was talking, he was reading my mail today. He, he had just what, what I needed to hear. Now, it might not happen every service, but happens, you know, pretty frequently. That's one way you can know you're in the right place. 
But it used to be when I was, was younger, and I'd see, you know, people not having a pastor. I, well, they ought to have a pastor. They don't know who their pastor is. But, you know, God starts working on you. Now when I see it, uh, I become more like Jesus. I go, and you know where you see it the most is when people run on, tra- on tragedy and, you know, over there at the nursing home when my mom was in there for that time that, you know, you'd see different people and they'd run into hard times and, and they didn't have a pastor. and It's very sad and you just moved with compassion and you want to help. So Jesus was moved with compassion. Look at, look at 1 John 3, 17. I'm going to read this one in the King James Version because it'll bring out better what we're talking about here. Notice this, 1 John three seventeen, King James, it'll be up here. But whoso has this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his what? His what? His what? His bowel. You see that word bowels? Bowels. Spiritual bowels, if you will, of compassion. That's what you get in the study with the, the word compassion. To cause your bowels to yearn. And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Now listen to me, I need to say this. This is not talking about somebody that is a freeloader that goes from church to church just trying to scam people out of their money. Say amen. Because I don't have a problem telling those people no. They need to go get a job. (laughs) And I've had a bunch of them come through here over the years. You know, I had one lady come in one day and stick her baby right up in my face in front of the church members and say, are you going to let my baby starve? And I found out she was going down the road to all the churches doing that. How many of you know that's a scam deal? Did you know God will let the lazy man starve? Did you know that? If he can work and he won't. If you don't work, you what? But I'm t- this is what this is talking about. If you have this world's good and you see somebody that legitimately has a need and you shut up your bowels of compassion from him, How dwelleth the love of God in you? Now, and by the way, some of those freeloaders, I helped them anyway, just to show them that God's good. I had one guy, can I tell you a little story? I had one guy come to the door one day and I was in the office and he jingled on the door. Because we keep the door locked during the week so that anybody can just come, come you know, right in. And when I'm sitting in there in the office, so how many of you know safety is a good thing? He jiggled on the door, so I heard the door. So I go out, see this guy standing there. So I go out and I, once I saw that he, he, he was all right, I opened the door and I said, can I help you? And he said, he said, Pastor, I need some money. And so I told him the policy. I said, well, come and let us get to know you and we'll be more than glad to help you once we get to know you. And he said, Pastor... If you were in a car accident, you were laying on the side of the road and I drove up and you needed help, would you want me to come over to you and say, well, pastor, let me get to know you a little bit and then I'll call 911 and help you. That's very funny, by the way. And it's like Jesus, remember when that, that he, he told that lady, 
he said uh, she wanted help for her daughter. Daughter was demon-possessed, and Jesus wasn't going to help her. And she said, he said that the healing is the children's bread. How many remembers that? And, and she said, yeah, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And so he said, for that saying, lady, I'm going to help you. So when that guy looked at me and he said to me, he said, well, would you want me to not call 911 or give you assistance or put a tourniquet on? And would you want me to say to you, Pastor, I need to get to know you a little bit first and then I'll put the tourniquet on before I help you? And I said, sir, for that saying, I'm going to help you. So I helped him. Six months goes by. And I guess he had forgotten that he had come to this church. So I'm sitting in my office jingling on the door out I go and I've got a good memory I remembered him but he did not remember me because he just goes to one church after the other and, and, I, and I said pastor will you help me and I said well you know here's our policy you know we got to get to know you blah, blah, blah. he said pastor if you were on the side of the road in an accident and I drove up would you and I said I said fool me once shame on fool me shame on me so I've had every kind of thing pulled on me that you can imagine. Once in a while we help people. You know, I don't think I've ever helped one person yet over all these years that's ever really come. And, and, and some of them we have helped. I don't think one of them's ever really hooked in here and done anything. Isn't that sad? Some folks you just can't help. But that doesn't mean you can't uh, farm and do all you can, right? I don't know why I shared that, but I did. Well, you people, did you get how funny that was with that guy there at the coming to the door? They're laughing on the inside. They're on the inside. They're going, ho, 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 ho. They're bowels of laughter. They're, are your bowels laughing on the inside? Let's don't. We want to talk about spiritual bowels. I'm a spiritual gastroenterologist, right? What is a gastroenterologist? Let's get back to the Bible here. Are you having any fun? You learn anything? You think I'm being moved by the Spirit here? I hope so. Matthew 20, verse 29. Did you hear her laughing back in the sound booth? That was a late reaction laugh. Sometimes my jokes hit you that way. They delayed reaction. It's kind of like a delayed reaction capsule when you take it, you know. There's some people that get halfway home, they just start laughing, you know. They didn't get the joke in the service, but that was pretty funny with that guy, though. You okay? Matthew twenty twenty nine. Now, as they went out from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Two blind men sitting by the road, they heard Jesus was passing by, cried out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Now when they called him son of David, they were declaring him to be the Messiah. Nonetheless, then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, and they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still, called them, and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, their eyes may be opened. So Jesus had what? Do you see that? He was full of compassion, wasn't he? He had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. 
Look at Mark 1, verse 40. We can just go on and on. Mark 1, verse 40. A leper came to him. Now we had two blind men. Now we have a leper. Comes to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, what's that next word? Moved with what? Can you, see, can you see the spiritual bowels yearning? And then can you see that compassion? And then can you see the movement, the action? He was moved with it. Stretched out his hand and touched him and said, and notice, we could teach for an hour on this. Did he have to think about whether or not he was willing? How many of you know God is willing to heal, isn't he? He's willing to heal you. He's willing to set you free. He doesn't have to think about it. He's willing. Right? Be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. But what was it that caused Jesus to do that? It was compassion, wasn't it? Look at uh, Mark 5.19. I won't read all the verses before this, but how many remembers the maniac of Gadara? Crazy man, demon possessed, legion of demons, all of that. And we could read that whole story, but let's just cut to the chase, go to the end of it, Mark 5.19, and you'll see what, what it was that caused Jesus to move to deliver that man. However, Jesus did not permit him. See, he, he had set that guy free and the, the, de, 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 de demoniac who is now set free. And he started out, you know, he started out as a demoniac and Jesus turned him into an evangelist, didn't he? And we refer to him as the maniac of Gadara, but really he's the evangelist of Decapolis because that's where Jesus sent him. Well, I guess it's just our human nature to refer to the maniac. Let's not refer to the maniac. He was a maniac. Jesus set him free. Now he's an evangelist. Let's refer to him as the evangelist. What do you say? But what caused Jesus to set him free? And in verse 19, it tells us Jesus did not permit him because the guy wanted to follow Jesus, wanted to follow him. But Jesus said to him, go home to your friends, and that was to Decapolis, and tell them what great things the Lord's done for you and how he has had what? He had had what? Compassion on you. Now go to Luke 7. I mean, just one right after another. See, God is full of compassion. Jesus is God. He's full of compassion. Luke seven eleven. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his, his disciples went with him in a large crowd. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had, what? Compassion on her. I believe he was doing on the inside, <laughs> doing this. Moved with it. He had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still, who carried the dead man. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. I wonder what he said. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And he presented him to his mother. But what caused Jesus to raise the dead? 
compassion. And he had compassion on the mother. It's the only one she had. Didn't it say he was her only son? He had compassion on her. Look at Luke 10. We'll see what it was that moved the Good Samaritan. How many remembers the story of the Good Samaritan? We all ought to be Good Samaritans. Look at Luke 10 verse 30. You can't be a Good Samaritan without compassion. You'll see that. Then Jesus answered and said, now he's going to give a, 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 tell a story here. A certain man, and apparently this is not a parable because he's talking about a certain man. So this is apparently a true story that actually happened. A certain man, sometimes parables, you know, he'd use those. Those were just stories to illustrate, uh, uh, natural stories illustrate a spiritual truth. But this apparently is a, it, 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 it is an actual story. It's like Luke, Luke 16 when he talked about the rich man Lazarus. That was a real story. It wasn't a parable. How many of you know there really is a hell? And there really is a heaven, you know. So anyway, right here, look at the good Samaritan. Let's see what moved him. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Okay, now, did did this priest have compassion? No. So is it possible to be a priest and not have compassion? Is it possible to be a, 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 a pastor or a minister and not have compassion? Is it possible to be a Christian and not have compassion? You're still saved, all right, because you have Jesus in your heart, but you're not full of him. You know what I mean? Full of the Holy Ghost. Then verse 32, likewise a Levite, here's another minister. When he arrived at that place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. Is this guy full of compassion? Nope. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, now now this guy here, was he didn't indicate that he was a preacher at all. And actually, he was a Samaritan, and the Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. But this guy, as he journeyed, came where he was, where this guy was beaten and left half dead. When this Samaritan saw him, he had what? What did he have? He had compassion. Was his spiritual bowels yearning? Oh, yeah. So he went to him and bandaged. Now, now, now look, did he just do this? Oh, oh and then go on his way? No, what will, what will Bible compassion, the compassion of God, it'll cause your spiritual bowels to yearn, but then it'll cause you what? To, to move and do something. So no, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He set him on his animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave, him, gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you need, when I come again, I will repay you. Then Jesus asked a question. So which of these three men do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And they answered and said, the one who showed mercy or the one who had compassion. Mercy is another way of saying compassion. But then notice what Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. What was he telling the, this guy to do? Have compassion. 
You can't be a good Samaritan if you don't have compassion. How many of you remember the prodigal son? He went away from home and all of that and went out and wound up in the pig pen and, 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 and remember he repented and he came back. Isn't it good when we mess up, we can repent and come back and God will re- receive us back. Isn't it good? But you could read the whole story in Luke 15, how this, this guy, this young man, he, he didn't want to be at home anymore. He wanted to go out and do his own thing. So he said, Dad, give me what's mine. I'm going out. So he went out, riotous living. He was with women he shouldn't have been with. He was in all kinds of sin and mess. Winds up in the pig pen. He decides, I'm going to go back home to da- my dad, just be his servant. At least I'll have something to eat. And so he, he, he heads back towards his dad. You, you know the story. If you don't, you can read it there in Luke 15. But notice Luke 15 and 20 talks about his dad, which shows us how God is and shows us how we ought to be. He arose, this is verse 20, the dad arose, or this, this boy arose and came to his father. But when this young man was still a great way off, his father saw him and what? Had what? So was daddy standing there while he was a long way off with a, with a stick ready to beat him? No, his daddy was doing this uh, and was looking for him and was just so happy and excited and blessed when he came home that he threw a party, he ran, fell on his neck, kissed him, killed the fatty calf, put a ring on his finger, robe on his back and a whole bit. Isn't that wonderful? And had a party. And then this guy's brother, you know the story, the brother... Do you think his brother was full of compassion? You can read the story. You can see his brother was upset that, it, that, that his younger brother, I suppose it was, came home and got right with his dad. We need to be full of compassion, don't we? Now, I'm almost finished. Go to Matthew 18. Can you take five more minutes? Okay, Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to up to 70 times seven. Now, people ask me sometimes why Jesus said 70 times seven. And I could take a while and explain it, but just the brief answer is if you went over to the book of Daniel, you could see that there's... Seventy weeks are determined upon God's people. And without getting into a bunch of end times teaching, end times teaching right now, I won't do that. But what, what, he's, what Jesus is really saying to this guy here, as long as there's time de- determined upon man, we need to be forgivers. That's why he said, when he said 70 times seven, what Jesus was really saying that as long as there's time determined as long as we're alive here and there's time, we have time, we need to be compassionate and forgivers. Do you know compassionate people forgive? Hello? Are you out there or are you going home? Okay. Compassionate people forgive. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I don't have a clue how much 10,000 talents are, but I know about $10 million. That's how much this guy owed, $10 million. Is that a lot of money? It's a lot of money to me. 
I don't think any one of, I, I, I would say probably all of us in here together couldn't come up with $10 million. Now, I don't know, Dale might be able to pull in his, he might be able to do the Jed Clampett and pull in his pocket and pull out $10 million And Remember Jed Clampett's carrying cash? Remember that? Huh? How many of you knows who Jed Clampett is? Remember that day on that one show where that one scam artist was having Jed Clampett write checks out to that guy's favorite charity? And, and I don't remember all of it now, but he had like five or six checks where he'd written it out. And the, it was like children's. C, Association, Society, Home. Huh? So Jed kept writing checks out to million dollars to cash. Come on, guys. It, can't you see how these people cannot be helped? We need to. Let's practice. Ha, ha, ha. Come on. Thank you. Yeah, but he, don't you remember? They were, well, we need to work on your memory. You remember everything Gary's done wrong, but no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just saying, man, Gary. No, I'm just teasing. I'm kidding. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a blessing and a curse. I can tell you, no, 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 Seidel, Copsicker, Reynolds, Blevins, a real Skinner, my teachers from kindergarten through sixth grade. You want me to go through them again? I can tell you, I can tell you my schedules of where I was when I was in each grade all the way through high school who my teachers were, what grades I made in each class. Oh, oh, you're still over here. Thank you. So Jed made those checks out to C-A-S, and he made like seven of them, $7 million. And guess what Milburn, now who, do you know who Milburn Drysdale is? <laughs> that was bad. Banker, those checks, and his secretary was Miss. His mother, his wife was Miss Miss Drysdale. Miss Hathaway came in and she called him Chief. Chief, we got seven checks from Mister Clampett, million dollars each. And Milburn Drysdale was not moved. He wasn't going like this. He was on the floor. They needed smelling salts. Is that right? How did I get off on that? Oh yeah, ten million. That's a lot of money. I don't think Bob Hill and uh, Dale could come up with that. Could you? Not t- I don't. That's a lot of money. So let's get back to the story here. This guy here owed how much money? Ten million dollars. I couldn't pay that debt. Could you? Now look at what happened, verse twenty-five. But as he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all that he had and and a payment be made. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I'll repay you all. Then the master of that servant, help me out, was what? Moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Is that a good deal? 
How many of you, if you owed 10 million, you'd like to get off scot-free? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You owe zero, nothing, you're forgiven. But notice now what this servant that just got relieved of this $10 million debt, he got set free, verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants. Come on, Adam, get get with it back there. No, I'm I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Go back and talk to him. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Okay, don't turn that way. But now this guy, he just got relieved to how much? $10 million. And this guy that got relieved of the 10 he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, I don't know how much that is, but I did a little study. You know how much that is? It's about $20. Now, I think just about everybody in here could come up with $20. Well, I said, just about, so maybe not everybody, just about $20. Here, we'll be led by the Spirit. Here, I can come up with $20. Here, that's yours. What do you say? Here, that's yours. What do you say? Here. Now, what do you say? Now, next week, you come to church. Now, we're going to do a little math lesson. What's 10% of 20? Two. So, next week, $2, $2, $2 goes to God. And the rest of it, and then I put $2 each in the savings. How much you have left then? You have 16. You're going to have to come to my math class. You'll each have $16 left. And you, you, you go get yourself something nice on that. Or maybe buy something for somebody with that. Now, are you glad you came to church now? Well, you've been glad. All right. See, you thought I didn't know you was over here. <laughs> I was moved with compassion. All right, sir, are we being led by the Spirit Okay. We're doing all right? Okay. Now, I did. Uh, Now, to show you that God is no respecter of persons. (laughs) Did you get the math lesson over there? How much goes to God? And you're two each, and then you're going to save two, and then you're going to put the rest of it, buy something for somebody, or do something for yourself. You got that? All right. <laughs> now, I did that because the Spirit of God direct me, directed me to. I didn't do that just because it was fun to do. I did it because the Holy Ghost said do it. And sh- I'll show you something else about the Lord. When I got over here, he right on the inside talking to me, I saw these two. God's no respecter of persons. Now you notice I'm young young people, see. Young people. So that's why I'm not going to the back row. <laughs> Twenty, forty, sixty, eighty, a hundred. Praise God. Money it's money well invested. Say amen. It pays to serve God. Huh? 
There you go. Okay. Now let's finish this up. So this guy here, this guy here, he just got relieved of how much? 10 million. And now he finds somebody, he finds somebody that owes him 20 bucks. And let's see what, how he's going to act. And he laid his hands on this guy that owed him $20 and took him by the, by the throat. Saying, pay me what you owe. Wow. Oh, by the way, you young people, you serve God for all the years. Like I've, they're paying, they're all paying attention. <laughs> they're all paying. Not, not that they weren't before, but they really are now. You serve God all the years that, that, uh, that, that I've served him. Now, I'm not saying this to boast me. But a preacher, you serve God and be a preacher and a minister, and be a minister. You serve God, you're not going around looking for your congregation to buy you something or do this for you. You're prospered by God. You can go around and hand out and help people like I just did. That's how ministers of the gospel ought to be able to conduct themselves, not looking for people to give them money all the time. It's called the blessing of God. It's called the reward of faithfulness. Did you hear me? And I said that to boast him, not me, because if it was up to me, if it was me, I couldn't do it, but God's blessed us. Say amen. amen. Now let's get back. We're going to finish the story. So this guy got relieved of 10 million, and now he's got, by the throat, this guy that owed him 20 bucks. He says, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you all. But this guy who just got relieved of the 10 million would not, verse, 20, verse 30, but went and threw him in. He had this guy that owed him 20 bucks thrown into prison till he should pay the debt. Whew. So when his fellow servant saw that he, what had been done, they were grieved and came and told the master, all that, that had been done, the guy that had forgiven the 10 million, they came and told him. And this guy, when he heard that, he calls this guy in and he, he says, you wicked servant, the one that had been re, relieved of the 10 million, I forgave you all that 10 million because you begged me. You, and then he says, should you not also have had, compa- had what? Had what? Compassion on your fellow servant just as I have had pity on you. Yes or no? Should, should he have forgiven? And you know, look, let's learn a lesson about ourselves. Did we owe God a debt that we could not pay? An eternal debt, we're going to hell if he doesn't forgive us. Does he, does he send Jesus, pay the, pay the debt and forgive us? So we've been forgiven something we could never repay. So when somebody does some piddly diddly thing to us, why is it that we don't forgive them? We, because we're selfish and all sin is selfish. We need to be forgivers. Say amen. And then his master was angry, verse 34, and and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. See, that's what happens if you won't forgive. Then verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to each of you if from your heart you do not forgive your brother his trespasses. That's sobering, isn't it? Forgiveness is a big thing. We need to be forgivers. People that are compassionate are forgivers. Now, Peter asked this question. Let's close in 1 Peter 3, 8. Have you gotten anything out of this today? 
It's a good review, isn't it? If nothing else. Now, Peter asked that question. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So we, we need to be full of compassion, be forgivers. Okay. First Peter 3, 8, 9. Peter's writing this by the direction of the Holy Spirit. He says, finally, finally, all of you be of one mind having what? Compassion for one another. This is, this is God commanding us. He's talking to you and to me. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Be compassionate. It's a blessing, but he's commanded us to be compassionate to one another. Amen? Stand with me if you would. Just stand there, bow your heads, please. And uh, uh, 